0: Welcome to The Third Wheel. This is episode four of The Shadow Rising. Uh, today we are going to be talking about chapters 27 through 36. My name is Tyler, and joining me are... Beyond. And... Jesse. Um, I didn't think of an intro because I was too sad reading about Perrin crying... If you've yes. ever seen a video of a dog crying, I imagined it was like that.
1: But <laughs> or with a wolf.
0: Or a wolf. Although, do wolves cry? I think wolves are too majestic. Well, no. A wolf is majestic enough that it crying could happen. It would just it have would to- would just
1: also be majestic.
0: Yeah, it would have to be like staring into the middle distance and a single tear rolls down.
1: We're staring at the moon. Yeah. Beyond Anyways, it, he's a wolf.
2: He's a wolf. It's very sad. Beone? Sorry, I was just distracted by the dogs and wolves crying, um, because dogs and wolves cry not for the same extent that human tears are, but that's a whole nother story. Um, yeah, bad times for Perrin.
1: Yeah, we get, like, a chapter... Where he's like, Man, I really miss my family I've never ever mentioned before. Yeah, let me let me mention them and yeah. talk about their details.
2: Yeah, I think
0: back <laughs> in like book one, uh, one of you asked, like, hey, is Parent's whole family dead? And I was like, I don't remember. <laughs> they it's don't like talk the- about his family. And then
1: Let's establish he actually has a family before we kill them all.
0: Yeah, he has we'll a get family. To it. <laughs> he talks about them for one chapter and then they're all dead, and he's very sad about it. So yeah, we will go ahead and get right into it. Chapter 27, Within the
1: Ways. This is Perrin and Fael at peak terribleness.
0: Yeah. Uh, so it's Perrin, Gaul, Fael, Bane, Chiad, and Loyal are all Within the Ways. Uh, the group is making their way through. They're uneasy as usual with the weird geometry going on. There's a short flashback in here. From when they first entered the ways? I guess Fail, like, kept slapping Perrin, and so he spanked her in front of everyone?
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> she had only stared at him, her dark eyes glistening with unshed tears, which made him feel guilty, which in turn made him angry. Why should he be guilty? Was he supposed to stand there and let her hit him to her heart's content? She had mounted Swallow and sat there, very stiff-backed, refusing to sit gingerly, staring at him with an unreadable expression. uh uh, did you
0: pick up on her getting spanked because it doesn't say it i didn't realize she was
2: spanked yeah that's
1: why she would be sitting gingerly on her horse yeah
2: that's what i was guessing i was like hmm yeah this
1: relationship seems great yeah
2: don't bring (laughs) your kinks into public
1: (laughs) it's not okay but they weren't even being sexy they were just like trying to actually hurt each other.
0: Yeah. To, like, like,
1: demonstrate their feelings. Yeah, like, Fahil was angry, so she was hitting him,
0: and Perrin was angry, so his response was to spank her.
1: This is, like, disciplinarian spanking, not sexy spanking.
2: Yeah. It just... I have a lot of deep sighs about the relationship. <sighs> I was
0: gonna say, I wish you could all see Beon's face, because, oh my god. because <laughs> yeah, I mean,
1: this is a... this. Is, luckily, this is about as extreme as it gets, Like, even later in this section, they get a bit more good to each other. Uh, And later in the series, it gets a bit less, you know, terrible and a bit more emotional.
0: It also becomes much more, I mean, not a, I won't say what the spoiler is, but there's like, there is a spoiler reason that this is the way that their relationship works. And it sucks until they tell you what the reason is, and then you're like... Okay, well, it doesn't make it better, but at it least still I, sucks. Yeah,
2: I, at least I get it. The interactions involving spanking, at least from my perception, spanking—if you're ignoring the whole kinky side—it's something you do to a child, as like a punishment for them doing something childish. And so I don't like that aspect. <laughs> yeah, I don't usually see
0: people doing that to adults. <laughs> well, no, it's when we're just... at work and like, oh no,
2: your patient fell. Well, come over. You know what time it is. So that aspect of spanking, I don't like because the connotations with children and I don't appreciate it when women and children are lumped in the same concept. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, It's a bit icky for many levels. And she does read as younger, and um, they just need to have a conversation, because repeatedly there's different, like, men talking amongst themselves and women giggling to themselves, and everyone being like, I don't understand what they're talking about, or what are they thinking? Why can't they just be clear? Yeah, we got some peak
1: 90s sitcom (laughs) gender stuff in this section. What if you had a
2: conversation about, like, your preconceived notions and the fact that you live in a society? I mean, that's sort of the thing, is like... Wolf boys rise up. Yeah.
0: Like, neither of them understands that they are...
1: Living in society.
0: Well, like, neither of them understands that the other doesn't also have the same preconceived notions about how things work. So, like, there would be no reason to have a conversation about it, because they think that they're both playing by the same rules. The other one is just bad at it, but it turns out that they think they're... Like, they think they're playing the same game, but they're totally doing different
2: things. But isn't Fail like, Fael, Fael d- d- distinctly ethnically diverse? Yes. Yeah, she's a Borderlander. So why would you assume... Perrin's because Perrin's a big, strong he... boy, like the Borderlanders,
0: and Fail's a woman, and He's women... also,
1: like, from a very insular place where he's never had to deal with other cultures. Exactly.
0: So, like, he wouldn't think about it, and she's like, oh, he's a big, strong man. So, I've seen big, strong men before. This is how big, strong men work. They're also both like eighteen nineteen or no five years older, so like nineteen twenty anyways. you and I weren't any better at nineteen twenty.
1: We've talked about this stuff in many different ways. Well,
0: it keeps coming up,
1: <laughs> but we didn't interact like this.
0: no, but we also grew up together,
2: which is weird, yeah. Anyway,
0: onto the second. Well, we're not that old. We're just.
2: We're old enough to have legit childhood friends and have it not just like a.
0: Please, Nakama?
2: <laughs> That's not what that even means. <laughs> I know.
0: Anyways. Anyways, onto the second bullet point. So they eventually reach the end of the path in the ways, uh, and then some Trollocs attack. Weird that there's Trollocs in the ways. They get fended off, and then a murderal strikes. The Aeol are holding it off for a moment until Perrin goes in and uh, kills Seals. He then hears Makin Shin approaching, and they all run out of the way gate, with Loyal sealing it up behind them so that it can only be opened from the outside. And then, once they are outside, Perrin's like, where the wolves at? (laughs) Where the wolves, where the wolves, where the wolves at? Ow. And they're all like, hey, let's try and... Not remember that Makan Shin exists so we can never sleep again. The chapter goes by pretty quick.
1: Yeah. Like, th- just at the end of this chapter, like, we get a scene with Fail like, treating Perrin's wounds and them being kind of actually civil to each other. Mm-hmm. So, like, at least even within this chapter, they show signs of not being a totally lost cause.
0: But even then, it's weird, because her thing is like, I'll clean and dress your wounds, but if you think I'm gonna like, sew up your clothes, then she's
1: just don't. being a tsundere. She, there's no dare.
0: <laughs>
1: she's just tsundere. She, she, she just sewed up his wounds.
0: Well, but she's still being... Never mind.
1: Also, but, the bit where she gets mad about, like, the thought of him asking her to stitch up his clothes is, like, implied to be sort of a displacement of her feelings about how close he was to dying. hmm That's fair. Good job, Jesse. No,
2: you, like, started to say something, like, three separate times. Oh. Well, part of it is I was just thinking about the ways with Loyal because he really didn't want to permanently destroy it. Mm -hmm. And so it just made me wonder, are the ways alive, relatively? Yes. Okay. I mean, they keep talking about how the ways are alive. Yeah. But, like, do they have feelings?
1: No. no, not like that. It's alive in that it can be influenced and is like a fluid thing.
0: It's alive like a tree, and Loyal
2: likes trees.
1: <laughs> like, he really
2: likes trees. Protect those good trees. Okay. And then, with the whole Sundere Falcon Lady, mm-hmm. um, i i would say she does show some dairy characteristics because uh perrin notes that while she's sewing up his wounds she is acting as if she is more hurt by the action of doing that than he is from actually getting his skin pierced so like she clearly has affectionate feelings and whatnot
1: yeah there's a lot of that stuff in there it's just also sort of hidden under all the pettiness
2: maybe my markers are just
0: off
1: if like if you're not reading closely, it, they just suck. But every now and then they don't suck. So they suck. Wanna, but with an asterisk. Yeah. So I just want to be able to see both sides. Serious centrist. Yeah. Wow. Mark my vote as present.
0: Oh boy.
1: Disgusting.
0: <laughs> Jesse's status on this podcast has been demoted from co-host to present. <laughs> um So 28, to the Tower of Genji.
1: This chapter is cool.
0: Yeah. Um, So they all settle down into two separate camps for the night. Yeah, I agree. This is really cool. Uh, With Perrin and Gaul are still on their own because the women don't want them there.
1: I mean, the dream stuff is cool. I know. I was just... (laughs)
0: Uh, They talk for a bit about all the
2: weird stuff going on, like how women exist. (laughs) It's really ridiculous. This is the thing where... He's talking about, like, women, it's like trying to understand the sun. Yeah. Which is actually, we can understand the sun. There's this thing called science. Um, Yeah, but back in these times, the only way you could understand it is by staring at it, which is discouraged. Anyways, that's frustrating. Also, I have a, a really hard time taking the dream sequence seriously when he's like, Hopper, Hopper hopper i'm just like oh why didn't it have a cool name
1: well the hopper is is real name
0: the hopper is like a manifestation of the ideal of the hopper's existence
1: yeah hopper can fly hops real high yeah
2: but one why why would you ever use the word hop to describe what a wolf does a wolf could hop Well, why wouldn't you use bound? Tell me you're not thinking about, like, how cute it would be to see a wolf just hopping. I mean, I could see a fox hopping, because that's how they actually do to, like, burrow down to get some of their prey. Yeah. This is me taking things way too literally. um, Anyways, his name isn't
1: literally Hopper. No. It's the idea of Hopper.
0: Yeah. It's the idea of one who hops.
1: I think in the introduction to his character, it talks about how... The name is supposed to be indicative of his desire to fly. Yeah. So.
0: Although, I didn't read it like that. But if you were, I would understand that reading the word hopper over and over again would be a little silly. It's really hard for me. It sounds like it's really hard for you. Truly a struggle. Uh, So now Perrin is in the wolf dream. Um, He's seeing visions of the present and future of the other main characters. Which aren't, they don't matter. (laughs) I mean, they don't matter for this. Like, sometimes they're worth going over, but it's like, these things are actively happening. We don't need to talk about them. And then as he's traveling around this area of the wolf dream, he sees another person really far away, which is weird for him. Skinning a wolf. Yeah. Uh, they know. Well, yeah. He doesn't notice that he's skinning a wolf until he gets there. Um, but they see each other. The man leaves, and then Parent teleports, and he's like, "Why yeah. is this wolf so skinned?"
1: Yeah, but then they start like flash stepping around the mountains, like shooting arrows at each other, yeah, like over miles and miles, which yeah. I think is pretty cool. Yeah, they're like teleporting around, shooting each other,
0: and then eventually the man enters the Tower of Genji, which they like both teleport there, and then the guy just walks into it, um, and Parent is trying to figure out how to follow, and then Hopper shows up, and Hopper's like,
1: don't. That dude's Slayer, and he's here in the flesh.
0: Yeah. Uh, his name is Slayer. Like you said, he's present in the flesh, which is a thing of evil, which they've already said, uh, somebody else has already said that being present in Telaramriad is evil, but not necessarily as a function of doing it, just because people that used to do it did it to do evil. So like... I don't know. Apparently people that know how to do things in Teleron and are like super good at it are bad people. Thinks about how back in book three, Lanfear and Ishamayel had talks in Teleron about which of them was better at it. And those were some pretty evil people.
1: Yeah, Yeah, it might just be that the Forsaken know how to do it and the Forsaken are real bad.
0: Yeah. So at this point, Bergitta arrives and tells her, And per- she
1: spills all the exposition, yeah, which I she- appreciate.
0: Yeah, she's like, I'm here to exposition at you. Don't talk. That's the power okay. drops.
1: Yeah. Apparently this tower is where the fox and snake people live. Yeah. Uh, which I didn't catch on my first read somehow.
0: Yeah, um, but they don't like live in the tower. The tower is like a portal to their dimension, uh, so yeah, the snakes and the foxes, the elfin and eelfin. I was wondering about pronouncing those. Well, sure glad I have this handy dandy uh, Tarval and Library pronunciation guide open, which does not have
1: these words. I think they might only, that name might only be used for them like once or twice in the whole series.
0: Uh, I think you're wrong.
1: <laughs> I know not what I say. <laughs>
2: Correct. <laughs> Elfin, eelfin. Um, yeah, it's more than two or three. <laughs> Snake and foxes. Yeah, and
0: they talk about how there's a board game that childrens play. Childrens, the many childrens, <laughs> they all play it uh, called the snakes and the foxes, which That's seems impossible
1: to, be... to win without breaking the rules.
0: Yeah, uh, there's no viable win condition and it has the three things that they have asked about when somebody goes to their realm which is uh fire music and iron like inscribed in the board for the game um really makes you think it seems really interesting to just list out
2: your vulnerabilities like that
0: well i think the idea is like you can't come any further
1: if you've got these things hmm and then Brigitte's like, wait, why am I expositing to you? Are you Tavarin? Uh, I have you one totally last, are. I have one last thing to say about the exposition.
0: But yes, yeah. she's really, yeah, I love that she's like, wait, what am I doing? I'm not supposed to talk to anybody. Why am I doing this? Um, the last thing that she says is that the uh, Elfin and Elfin, you shouldn't talk to them or make deals with them because their morality exists on a different axis from humanities. And so, like, you literally just couldn't comprehend the price that they're going to take from you in exchange for what they give. Good going, Matt. Yeah. The blue and orange morality, and then Matt just strolling in. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Glad that Matt went and got something from them, Moraine went and got answers from them twice, Rand went and got answers from them, and Matt went and got
2: answers from them. This is fine. This is fine. Don't think about that. Also, I really want to know what the game... Is because I, was, I, it sounds they, like
1: shoots and ladders.
2: That's what I thought. It sounded like shoots and ladders.
1: It is
0: described in a horrific level of detail later oh, in that oh, right. could
1: probably. I mean. Oh wait, yeah, Matt teaches it to that kid, right?
0: Oh, they continue to teach and play that game for a large portion of the series.
1: Good old Oliver.
0: Yeah, the ugliest person to ever exist on this earth, (laughs) Oliver. Yeah, okay, so it... Oh, weird. Okay, yeah, we'll watch this later, but someone has, like, created a board with rules and, like, a demo video. And there's a PDF of rules. We're importing this into Tabletop Simulator. Anyways. Anyways! So yeah, Brigitte says, hey, are you Tavarin? This is weird. And then she leaves. Um, Because her
1: boyfriend's there, and her boyfriend's like, hey, what are you doing?
0: Yeah, her boyfriend, by the way, her boyfriend is also the ugliest person in existence. They're tied. Uh, So after she leaves, Hopper tells Perrin, don't go to the Two Rivers. Stuff's whack. And Perrin Perrin thinks to himself that he hopes that after he dies
2: uh, in the two rivers that he can live in the dream like the wolves do. Also, doesn't Hopper kind of just stare at Perrin being like, who are you talking to during this experience? Yeah, Yeah. because Brigitte's fake news. Yeah, she's clearly not real. And Hopper's like, "Uh uh-huh, she's wise. Yeah. Yes.
0: Yeah. The, I think the wolves exist as like a separate thing from... Yeah, there's weird rules about people that exist as bound to the horn and their threads, which probably just makes it weird with the wolves.
1: Tell the Riyadh, it's weird anyways. Exactly. Uh, So chapter 29, Homecoming.
0: Hey, this one's pretty good.
1: Hey, remember that Perrin has a family? (laughs) Did you know that Perrin has a family? Well, I sure didn't. Not anymore.
0: (laughs) He's got a family for like two chapters. Uh, so the group makes their way down to the two rivers with a small detour to check on Tam's farm. Uh, it looks like it was burned months ago. And Perrin decides that the only way to do this is sneak away with Gaul to make sure that Fail can't stop him from turning himself into the White Cloaks. Um, when they finally arrive at the two rivers, and it's uh, just Perrin and Gall for this, um, Perrin heads straight to the Winespring Inn to see the Alveers. And there's this... Um, The scene of him coming back in is, like, so nice. It's fun. It's really great. It's
1: it's that stuff where you get, like, you sort of have to imagine what it's like for them seeing Perrin. He, like, left, like, a year and a half ago, and now he comes back with a big beard and an Aielman and a Ogier.
0: Yeah, well, he, like, left in the middle of the night. The whole point was don't tell anybody like, you can leave a note for the people that you live with, but don't, like, you just need to not be here anymore. And so one day Perrin was just gone, and then he shows up, like you said, with an Aielman by him. And it's like, oh,
1: Perrin. What my, have you been up to?
0: My boy. My sweet boy. But it's,
1: it's interesting because that's also sort of a manifestation of, like, Tavara-ness.
0: Because
1: mm. it's like... Wow, some stuff really must have happened to you. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it did.
0: Yeah. Uh stuff's crazy out there. The streets is crazy right now. Got that Rona. Yeah. Uh and then the Alviers meet Gull and Gull
2: gives them something that's super duper valuable just casually. Yeah,
0: I forget what it is, but it's something made of gold. I think yeah, it's it has-
1: like a gold peppermill or something.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think, like, he gives a salt shaker, and one of the girls gives a pepper mill, and the other one gives, like, a silver bowl or something.
1: Yeah, it's stuff that they stole from Tyr.
0: Yeah, and I think Perrin mentions that each one is, like, worth more than anything else in the two rivers. So, point is... Culture. Culture. Uh, Faile bursts in with Bane and Chiad. She's upset with Perrin because she was...
2: Eavesdropping that he's gonna go get himself killed on purpose. Which everyone, except for Perrin, is like, don't do it. Well, Gall is like, do what you gotta do, my dude. Well
1: he's the like, thing Gaul is Gall is my debt. Gaul is way too chill. Yeah. Well the thing is, people feel like it's something that would make sense if his family wasn't already dead.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: which he doesn't know. So
0: After everybody calms down, because whatever her name is, the uh, female Alvir. Maren. Maren Alvir. Is like, listen, come over here and talk at the table. We're going to have some tea. Um, So the Trollocs are back. They are burning the outlying farms, which is how Tam lost his, I believe. Um, The White Cloaks are present and making trouble. Uh, but only for the families of Rand, Matt, and Perrin. And they are at least tangentially slash accidentally defending the people of the Two Rivers from the Trollocs. Uh, also, Perrin's whole family's dead.
1: Yeah, that was totally the Trollocs. Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah, the, the Trollocs. Uh-huh.
2: Don't, Definitely. Don't look at... Hey, is that some wormwood over there? Don't look at that. Nothing is suspicious. No. Please continue your normal behavior. Which, yeah. So,
0: I want to say even on this third read through, I was like kind of tearing up during Perrin's breakdown. Um,
1: but it's handled well enough. It would have been better if like we understood he had any feelings about his family whatsoever before this yeah also he had a family (laughs) it would have been nice to establish this
2: when they were establishing other things
1: you know back when we were in their village in the first book even for ages
2: there was no time we had to hear about
0: all the fireworks that the peddler had
1: (laughs) not a single line
2: not a single enough that we all questioned whether they existed it literally could have just been, like, a single note about his siblings or, like, the last the last feast time or whatever, because Beltine was, like, a celebration or whatever, so he, that's, like, a celebration time where he saw his family. Like,
1: Also, wouldn't it have made more story sense for it to be, like, the Luhans who died? Like, I, that would mean more, and it, like, would have meaning towards his whole, like, blacksmith character arc. That's true. Yeah, because like, he sees- We care more about them than his previously non-existent family. Although the Luhan's being dead, I
0: could see that causing an issue with, like, stepping on Rand's character arc of the- um, Like, you have to throw away the thing that you want and that you were going to do in order to become the thing that you have to do.
1: Like I guess. But, I mean, I feel like- th- the Luhans being dead wouldn't necessarily cut off that character arc.
0: No, but I feel like it would, it would just add another
1: dimension to it. And yeah. people like dimensions.
0: Well, I think the real problem is that there's, um, you know, there's just not enough space in these books to include <laughs> any sort of description of a characters, background, yeah, or their, so thoughts, their feelings, you know, to take character arcs in weird, long running, long winded directions.
1: Um, you, know, you gotta maybe, keep that pacing tight. Yeah, maybe
0: if there were more books in the series, we'd have... Maybe if... Listen, maybe if Jordan gave the events of the books some breathing room, oh
2: okay? Oh, God. This needs to be edited so much. Oh, my much. God! Like, this book series, I'm I'm coming at it with a new perspective now, and it's less... <laughs> but, still, it needed to be we- highly edited.
1: What's this new perspective?
2: The new perspective is I got some spoilers for how it ends from Tyler, and so I'm less bitter now, though Uh-oh. I still have lots of questions, and I feel like there needs to be many discussions because I'm displeased with it. But now that I have a perspective on how this all ends ages from now... Um, no pun intended. Ha, it it's, it's allowing me to take a step back and not get so caught up in things but yeah uh well don't
1: spoil me i I won't i won't i've managed to mostly avoid like omega endgame spoilers
0: except for the one that i accidentally dropped on you
1: yeah
2: tyler you don't do that to people i did i did do that to people that's terrible i didn't mean to but yeah um it it felt Awkward, as in, like, look at these people you might want to care
1: about, because Perrin does, and then they're dead. Uh, I mean, it was written well enough, like, the actual scene is just, like, a bit baffling that this is, like, the first time we've really talked about his family. Yeah, I mean, I think that's
0: what we keep talking about, is that when Jordan wants to execute well on a specific scene, he can. Like, I don't – I might have just blocked it out, but I don't know that we've had – Any discussions about, like, besides beyond sandbagging everything in the series so far, we haven't really run into any scenes where
1: it felt like Jordan just completely flubbed the execution of it. What about that scene in The Great Hunt where Rand kills all those Trollocs? Rand has a scene where he kills all those Trollocs? In The Great Hunt where he, like, goes through... It's like a whole chapter of sword forms?
0: Uh, no. I think that doesn't come off as flubbing because it's still hilarious (laughs) i
1: hate it so much
0: oh my god i love them it's so bad oh i really i hadn't i hope they do like big anime attack names
2: in the show and it's just the sword form names secret ninja art sword of this animal doing an adjective verb god
0: And then it would be great so they should do the sword form and then do like a one second clip of him doing it and then cut to every character's reaction. But also there's 2,700 characters in this show. So (laughs) it's going to take a minute. Point is, I think that when Jordan wants to like execute well on a scene, he can. It's just that he didn't do the uh, build up to this one very well. Could have done better could it room for
1: improvement
2: lots of room for improvement considering we're on book four four out
1: of yeah 14 yeah and it's interesting that you talk about how when he wants to execute a scene he can because i've talked about before that there are chapters where the characters feel more alive and dynamic than they normally do Mm -hmm. and this is one of those chapters yeah but the fact that there are chapters where he feels like he doesn't have to bother with that is a bit unsettling
0: yeah i will say at least Beyonne has been beyond has been following me around 24 hours a day with a gun to my head
2: forcing me to read fan fiction (laughs) as if what kind of fan fiction nothing we have extremely different types in fan fiction we have
0: just the most different taste you could ever imagine point is i've been reading a lot of it it turns out uh even the, like, really good ones, you can still tell that there's, like, a power gap between them and Jordan. Like, even Jordan's bad chapters are still better than
2: things that most people do. Oh, really? Yeah. Again, we also read different things.
1: Maybe just people that like Wheel of Time have bad taste and therefore write bad fanfiction.
0: Oh, no. I I think I mentioned on the last episode we made that, like, the all of the Wheel of Time stuff that i found is either crossovers or Matt Rand slash fiction. That sounds delightful. Uh, Well, there's a lot of it, so feel free. I haven't read any. I have good taste.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Don't hurt yourself.
1: (laughs) I mean, I feel like
2: for anyone to have good taste in fan fiction is extremely relative. But I'm, I'm kind of taking this perspective that I take with fan fiction in reading the rest of these series where it's too many words and it's always the people who you don't actually want to read their stories where they managed to write over 300,000 words and you just deal with it because you want to read something that someone actually completed for once. So yeah. I mean, Jordan literally didn't complete this. (laughs) So. (laughs) That's actually true. Oh my God. Just just treat it like an. a like this is
0: like if the author dropped the story and the beta reader came in and finished it and the beta was like, oh, God, finally, I can do it better.
2: Yeah, that's true. Uh, Before
0: Perrin's breakdown happens, there's some really good stuff. It's um, he like he's intercutting his dialogue with thoughts about his family in a way that's very, like, normally the way that Jordan writes the dialogue is a character will say, like, a sentence and then think for an entire paragraph and then say a second sentence. Instead, what Perrin is doing is he's, like, saying something and then having just a uh, one-sentence flashback to, like, an image of one of his siblings doing something. And then someone will ask him another question and he'll go on. And that's, I think it's really effective to build it up. Um, He's also like accidentally breaking stuff. And a core character trait of his established from like the first time we see him is that he's a huge guy and he intentionally uh, thinks and is like hyper aware of his body positioning so that he doesn't accidentally break stuff. Um, So I really love that you can see that he's, like, actually going through issues and breaking down during this. I think that's part of why it was so effective on me. It was really dynamic and really good. And yeah. it was a good section. Yeah, it makes me think of... Um, guess what? I'm gonna reference Worm. Uh, <laughs> that thing that happens in arc 26... Um,
1: or oh, she shoots a baby?
0: Okay, well, spoilers for Worm, I guess. Yeah, that part where Taylor executes a toddler. Um, and, like, the text never says that she's having a problem, but you can, like, read between the lines and every other character is treating her like she's very clearly having a problem, which is exactly what happens here. And I know for a fact that I didn't pick up on it the very first time that I read this, but now, like, thinking about that... Trying to read between, like, what's being said and what's unsaid. Um, It definitely comes across really well. Um, And then, yeah, he starts crying and Fai'il... Is nice. She's nice. She goes and hugs him. She, like, tells him to stop not crying. And then he... Stop
1: not crying. Yeah,
0: (laughs) stop not crying. And then he... Stops not crying. Yeah, he, like, starts weeping and saying he got here as fast as he could. And then we go to chapter 30, Beyond the Oak,
1: and... Sort of a nothing chapter. Yeah,
0: well, it's like a couple minutes later and everybody's gone, except him and Fa'il. One of the things that I liked in here was every time Perrin starts to think about his family, he, like, subtly but deliberately veers away from that train of thought. I didn't pull out any examples because it was, like, multiple paragraphs long. And I didn't want to read the whole thing, but it's, it's another, I guess it's not another because it's all continuous, but it's like the same thing of, you don't have to say it. It's just implied, Uh which is not standard for Jordan's writing. So when they rejoin the rest of the group, Loyal is now present and Perrin lays out the plan. They're going to recruit Tam and uh, Abel. I'm saying Abel, although now I'm Chabble. Abel. Nope, the pronunciation guide says Abel. Sure. So um, they're going to recruit Tam and Abel, uh, requ- excuse me, rescue the people that the White Cloaks have kidnapped, and they're going to f- find a way afterwards to get rid of the Trollocs. Um, everybody agrees, and they move on to the Step 1A, which is setting up a base of operations. One thing is this- like, I know just the spot. Yeah. Um, one thing that I did pull out here... Just to continue with the, like... I don't know what it is about Gaul. Because all the other Aeel are, like, chill with a bunch of stuff. But then they clearly have their thing. (laughs) Gaul is just so aligned with whatever Perrin wants.
1: He owes Perrin a blood debt.
0: Yeah. He has a line in here that he says, I said I would come with you, Gaul put in without being asked. I did not mean until the journey grew hard. Even though, good. Yeah, even though we're seeing more of the Aiel, they still have, because that's usually the thing, right? Is like the conservation of ninjutsu. So you would expect that now that we're dealing with groups of like tens of thousands of Aiel, they would be less cool.
1: Mm-hmm. But Gaul is still cool. I mean, we have a bit of it and that like we get a direct comparison between Aiel and Warders and that they're about comparable. Mm hmm. And we've seen plenty of warders and plenty of Aiel at this point.
2: Mm -hmm. In this scene, it was kind of jolting to have them go outside and then have the villager who's, like, licking the boots of the white cloaks being like, Aha! You're here! Yeah. Like, take a step back. He
1: sucks. That's the point. Yeah,
0: Take a step back, dude. I can smell the boot polish on your breath.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And, And she just shuts him down with the women's circle and every single thing that they can do to shut them down. And so it just is an interesting reminder about the dynamics of the women's circle versus the council and the power within the village, even when these outside forces are apocalypsing their, their current.
0: Yeah. And also like, what is women's circle business versus village council business? This seems to affect both. Yeah. (laughs) And they're both saying that it's their business.
2: Why is this happening to me? Why do I
0: have to read this? Jordan.
2: Why?
1: Why do you have this division so strongly? Uh, when, uh, and we get the classic uh, men versus women stuff. Yeah, where, I uh,
0: I very specifically didn't put it down in the notes, but since we're talking about it, the thing where yeah. like both the men and the women separately go to talk to
1: Perrin and fayil about like and give them the same advice about handling the opposite sex. Yep. Yeah. And it saying sucks. You have to you have to know when to rein them short. And when, and when there's nothing to do but give them their head, letting them have their way when it isn't important makes it easier to check them when it is. It's like, wow, this is a really shitty way to describe, like, a functioning relationship. Yeah. Like, you know, in a functioning relationship, like, there's give and take, and you compromise, and sometimes you do things you don't want to do. But, you know, just, you know, put it in the context of it being a gender thing. Only that-
2: manipulate based on genitals. Yeah,
1: you're yes. not, like... And that, like, everything that you do in your relationship that isn't exactly what you want to do is a calculated manipulation of your partner.
0: Great. Yeah, it's like you're not building up enough goodwill that you can then spend it on the thing that – I mean, that's like – like, that is a thing that people do, but it's not a – it's not like a calculated maneuver so that you can manipulate the person (laughs) into going against their best interest. It's like – Yeah, honey, I'll go and do this thing that I don't want to do with you, and then you'll do the laundry for me. Like, that's how it works. (laughs) Not even... Never mind. I mean, not in such explicit terms, but like, (laughs) you understand what I'm trying to say. It's not necessarily worth, like, the heads of the village taking you aside, being like, here's how to manipulate your partner. Don't worry, we've done it for centuries. This is great. It's perfect. (laughs) Yeah, we've honed it down to a fine art. Goddamn science. We've trimmed the fat. Anyways. Anyways, so once they're in the woods outside the village, they are led towards the building that they'll be using, and they encounter a pair of warders, meaning that there's a sedai about. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mistress Alvier says this is known to the women's circle. We didn't tell the men, though. Don't worry about that. I'm sure it doesn't affect them. Uh, and then she continues to lead them towards the actual building. Yeah, nothing happened. Uh, so chapter 31,
1: Assurances. The queen is back. <laughs> the queen is back. Yes, queen. We stan an ace to die. <laughs> <laughs> I literally stand, Baron. <laughs> uh,
0: don't let the white cloaks hear that. <laughs> Uh, they're led into this broken down sick house where the two Aes Sedai wait. It's Varen and someone I think we've heard her mentioned, um, and I feel like I've heard her name out loud, which means I've heard it in the audiobooks, but I don't remember anything about her.
1: Um, Varen. Woo! Alana. Ugh. Alana Musvani,
0: who has some like weird uh, hot and cold moments.
1: I'll just say that there's a moment where Alana heals Perrin without asking, and I'll just say that's something akin to her signature move, if that jogs your memory. Oh, her. Yes. Oh. This bitch. Oh. Yeah,
0: I know who she is. (laughs) Sort of, uh, one card in the deck, huh?
1: She wants we'll to get collect to the Tavaran boys. Yeah, she literally said it in this chapter. Like, yeah, She's like, li- you know, if I had the chance, I might bond one of you without asking. Nah. <laughs> I mean, not yet.
2: I'm going to non-consensually use you to boost my life now. Thanks. Yeah. Also, not that anybody except Moraine with... Uh,
0: I mean, she told Lan that this would happen if she died, but like... Reminder that the water bond includes the ability to provide compulsion for whatever you want. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. (laughs) Hmm. Anyway, the pair were in the area hunting for Tavarn and Wilders. Uh, There's a lot around. Yeah. Place is lousy with them. Uh, But then they heard about the White Cloaks and the Trollocs, and they came to help. So they are talking to Alana and Varen for a bit. And then um, Tam and Abel show up, and they take Perrin outside for the conversation about how to control women. God. Um, Listen, you're old enough to have the talk. The talk is manipulation.
1: Only one way to handle that sort, Abel said, nodding. Let her think she's running things. That way, when it's important and you say different, by the time she gets over the shock of it, you'll have matters arranged as you want. It'll be too late for her to badger you about changing it. I hate this shit.
0: Yeah. Mm, thanks,
1: Here. Jordan.
0: Here, I'll just manipulate her, and then she can't <laughs> nag me anymore about it. Oh my god. It's it's like a whole book of boomer jokes. <laughs> but it's like a thousand pages long.
1: Uh, Real boomer en- energy from Jordan. Yeah. Disgusting.
0: Uh, so they say that there are seven to eight hundred white cloaks in the camp. And that even once they rescue the hostages, it'll be tough to get help, since most people in the village uh, don't want to stick their necks out against the white cloaks. Because they are afraid. Yeah, because the white cloaks are big on lynchings. Perrin has a line in here about the plan. He says, A warder once told me Trollocs call the Waste the Dying Ground. I mean to make them give that name to
1: the two rivers. so
0: edgy! Uh, his whole family's
1: dead. Killed by the Trollocs. He literally has edgy anime boy backstory Yeah. at this point. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like I went to go train with somebody else. And then when I went to go home to see my family, they'd all been killed by the monsters. Hmm. Uh, so we cut to Dane Bornhold looking over his camp. Uh, by the way, I didn't. Market at any point, but every time somebody says the name Bornhold around Perrin, he's like, oh, Jofram, that old guy. I know him. He's reasonable, which is great. It's another oh, one of those... Oh, he, he,
1: he doesn't realize it's the junior, not the senior. Yeah,
0: because he doesn't know that uh, Joffram died.
1: Oh. I, don't, I didn't actually quite realize that. Yeah,
0: uh, all of the white cloaks that were in Falma died, except for uh, Br, who
1: saw it and I went can... to report... I know that. I just didn't realize that Perrin didn't realize. Oh,
0: yeah. He, like, has the thought about um, Jophrim and yeah. nobody... And they're just called Child-whatever uh, last name. So that nobody ever says that it's Dane. So we cut to Dane Bornhold uh, looking over his camp. He is proud of his little lawful good army. But not ordith. No. Uh, he has a little scene where it's shown that he doesn't want to commit undue cruelty. He just wants to get justice. um, Because he sends somebody to tell the Tinkers where they're allowed to go and where they're not. And then he stops the guy and he's like, don't hit them. Just say mean words. What a nice Nazi. Yeah. Sticks and stones will break their bones. So don't do that. And then, yeah, he sees Ordis part of the camp and it's awful. There's just like refuse and the people there aren't very neat and tidy.
1: It's almost as if he has an effect on people around him.
0: Yeah, some sort of miasmic aura. Maybe some sort of more death. <laughs> uh, so Ordeith, uh is summoned to him. They talk for a bit. orith makes a comment about If he was just allowed to torture people as much as he thought was necessary, they'd already have Perrin. Which, tough stuff. Dane dismisses him, and Ordeath returns
1: to his little mini-camp. Where he's torturing a murdral.
0: Yeah. Uh, His influence is clear, everything's dirty, there's no order. Uh, Everyone is under, like, the complete mental control of Ordeeth. Or, like, they can do whatever he wants, and then he has some i don't know how he phrases it but he basically says if he gave the order then like everybody becomes like a mindless slave to him um he makes it clear in his thoughts that he tortured the ibaras to death including like flaying and burning the children yeah because he told them to give up perrin and they were like no i don't know where he is we don't know where he is you're dumb also your nose is dumb and he was like cool your whole family's getting tortured to death which is some tough stuff from my guy Ordeath.
2: Tougher than usual, even. To confirm, he is the embodiment of human evil. Uh, yeah. He's a
1: combination.
2: Yeah, so like, like Shatter Logoth, before it was Shatter Logoth,
0: was just this guy showed up. Uh, I don't know if his name was Mordith at the time. I think it was. Um... He showed up, and he was a bad dude, and he basically turned Shatter-Logoth into an entire- Shatter logoth Yeah, he turned it into Shatter-Logoth, which the entire city became the embodiment of human evil. Uh-huh.
1: And then- Padden Thane was, like, a dark friend who was very close to being an embodiment of the Dark One himself. Yeah, he was like- And then he also got Mordeth. Yeah, he was, like, being
0: hollowed out by the Dark One- just as a function of the way that the Dark One works, and by instilling that, like, that thing that he did back in Book 2, where when he was being interrogated, he would, like,
2: sometimes just look through multiple floors and walls, like, directly at the boys. And so, that was the Dark One, Dark One, not Ishmael pretending to be the Dark One, that turned...
0: Correct, that was the Dark One, Dark One. Because he was at um Sheol Ghul, in the okay. Pit of Doom. If you are in the Pit of Doom, then the Dark, the dark One... talking
1: the actual factual Dark One. Yeah, the if you
0: see him factual. in your dreams with the, like, fire face and the cloak, that's Ishmael.
2: Okay. Yeah,
0: so he... Basically, the all of the Mordith and Mashadars got put in the Ruby Hill to Dagger. So it was inhabiting Matt, and then they separated it from him. But uh, enough got into Ordith in that time or into Pad and Fane, that
2: he's now Ordeath, which is Fane plus Mordeth. I see. Yeah. And so do the White Cloaks have any ability to actually sense dark friends, or is it no. just... No. 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 Okay. They, like,
0: I, I made the comment earlier, they literally just read a Jordan Peterson book and, like, <laughs> formed a religion around it.
1: <laughs> Sad but true.
0: Like, that's... That's what the White Cloaks are. They just are super into JP. Well, philosophy isn't the right word, but they should put a lobster
2: on their tabard. Okay. I'm not surprised.
0: No, they are like just super into order and that's their like non-religious philosophy and then they just slapped religion onto it. Let me just slap some religion on. Add some religion? Baby, you got a stew going. Okay. Anyways. Anyways. Ordith is in his little minicamp, and yes, he's torturing a merdryl, and the merdral eventually is like, yeah, don't torture me forever, I'll do whatever you want. And then Ordeeth's like, great, we're gonna start with some more torture.
1: Whatever I want. That sounds like torture. <laughs>
0: sounds like somebody said torture. Sorry, I couldn't hear you over the sound of me torturing you. Uh, so chapter 32, questions to be asked. The next morning... Tam, Abel, Varen, her warder Thomas, Fael, and Perrin all set out towards the White Cloak camp with Bane, Chiad, and Gaul following in the woods. It's a whole group. It's everybody except um, Alana, Loyal, and Alana's warder who is named something. Zachary? Yvonne. What?
1: Yvonne. Yvonne. Um, she also has another warder that died, she mentioned.
0: Yeah, uh, maybe that one was Zachary. I think Zachary and Zachary, too, are their names. One of them died. On the way in. Uh, So she's a little upset about that. There is a lot of talk in here trying to speculate on the presence of the Trollocs, uh, what they're doing, why they're here, why they haven't just killed everyone. Uh, But there's nothing, they don't, like, come to any solid conclusions. They are traveling along the road. They see a house with people in it. They decide to go over to the house. Uh, and when they get there, there is a like a whole paragraph dedicated to Perrin being happy that this girl that mm. he used to have a crush on is not who he still has a crush on because now she's a fatty. It's so gross. <laughs> <laughs> it,
2: so
1: Layla was a Lewin now. Odd. Matt never could dance. Think, thanking the light for his escape, Perrin looked around her fail.
2: Which is so thank, gross.
1: Thank God <laughs> I got out of there. Yeah, thank God I dodged that fatty bullet. Now where's my hot girlfriend?
2: Yeah. It's so disappointing. <laughs> oh my God. And here's God. the
1: thing. It's so bad. For the show, they were casting someone named Le- for a character called Layla Ibarra.
0: Hmm. So his fatty wife. Oh, thank God she's dead. Anyway, hey, hot girlfriend. How are you?
1: <laughs> it, some people are thinking that might be it, and that would be disappointing that
0: would be a tough look i mean you know what if you didn't want to cast perrin's entire family but you still wanted to establish that it was sad that the people that he left behind died it would probably be better to do it with one character and rather than explaining where the rest of his family has gone it would probably be easier to say they're all dead the only person he has is his wife
1: yeah, but he still gets with Fa'iel before he knows she would be dead. Yeah, also his whole, like, honorable oh, human being true. aesthetic.
2: Uh, if he's just, like, leaving in the night with a note for his wife, that's not an honorable dude move.
0: Mm, well, we'll just have to trust the big rafe in the sky.
1: <laughs> Anyways. Anyways. Per- Perrin doesn't like fat checks.
0: Yeah, which is weird, because... <laughs> Jordan well no, no 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 it's weird because Jordan very clearly likes plump plump
1: chicks he doesn't I like mean, stout women
0: they're just plump enough for a cuddle
1: but <laughs> but not quite stout no but this lady is
2: stout and again I can't stress enough she's a fatty it's like she also just had a baby calm down parent yeah seriously we don't need your objectification of the female
1: form yeah, I remember that one sticking out to me. I, I remember
2: ride. you texting me
0: like, I'm sorry, did Perrin just freak out because his like ex-crush is fat now?
1: He did. It's, that happened. It's gross. It happened.
0: We all read that chapter. It made me disappointed. Well, Perrin just lost some good boy points. Perrin has to eat dry food for a month now. <laughs> We're not buying you any more wet food as a punishment. Uh, so in the house, there's a lot of talk And reminders about how these people don't know anything. They're like all super ignorant farmers.
1: And gossips.
0: Yeah. Uh, They're concerned for their homes and the people that live nearby, but they've been tricked by the white cloaks into, uh, as Varen says, believing people they've known all their life are dark friends. That's sort of their jam. Yeah. People are sheeple. People are sheeple. Insert the blazing saddles thing here. Real salt of the earth. You know, morons. Uh, Hey, Lord Luke's here. Hey! Uh, Yeah, Perrin is offered a place to stay. Uh, He says he has to go. And everybody's like, hey, that's great. Anyway, Lord Luke is here. So chapter 33, a new weave in the pattern. Lord Luke is here. He's a trash man. He's a real weird guy. Yeah. Uh, He has lots of swagger and arrogance, and Perrin hates him. Not swagger in the, like cool sense, swagger in the sense that
1: he is literally swaggering. He seems to recognize Perrin. Yeah. Uh,
0: Perrin hates him. Everybody else really likes the guy. Perrin...
1: Yeah. I wonder
0: if you've seen him in a dream. Hmm. Yeah. I was gonna more subtly imply to (laughs) Beyond that you should tell us when you figure out who... It's the Slayer. It's the Slayer. Did you already know that? Yeah. Okay, good.
1: It seemed pretty...
0: Obvious. Okay. Because, like... I don't remember what it was like
1: reading it the first time. I just already knew that he was the Slayer. I mean, I literally texted you the first time I was reading this through through the book on this chapter. And I was like, is he the Slayer?
0: Oh, I, I think like, I might have tried to be like, maybe, maybe not. Because I didn't remember that they just tell you like 10 chapters from now.
2: Like, yeah. it's hard to conceive of anyone else being the Slayer within the village. Of the people we've been slightly introduced to. Although,
0: to be fair... If you wanted to just draw it out, it wouldn't necessarily have to be somebody in the village. Because now that we've seen that this person can teleport, like, if you can teleport in Teleron Riyadh wherever you want, and also he can enter it physically, then theoretically he could be anywhere in the world. That's bad from a storytelling perspective, because then you're introducing things that seem connected and aren't connected, and that's not a good thing to do.
1: Fun fact, Lord Luke is one half of Rand's uncle.
0: Whoa! <laughs> That's an actual spoiler.
1: Whoa. I mean, Daddy. actually, all that information is, like, in this section.
0: It's in this section, but, I mean, you would have to be pretty equal-eyed to put it all together. Or pretty wolf-eyed, I guess. We'll talk about it in a bit,
2: because Beyond looks mildly confused.
0: Not confused. We'll just and, do it. Yeah,
2: the half an uncle just made me think of surprise. I'm three baby uncles in a trench coat. What? Well, you know, like three it, babies it, in a it, trench coat. Yeah, but three baby uncles. Well, what the half uncle? Like that well, would be a third
1: well, of an uncle. In the second book, we got a reference to Lord Luke in the Waste has fused with uh, a Borderland prince. Yeah. Somehow we'll get to. It. Don't
0: think about that. There's an answer, but the answer is don't think about is it. Is the
2: answer that one of them gets to be Voldemort's head on the back of the head of the other? If I said yes, <laughs> would you be upset? I wouldn't be surprised. Well, more yes than you probably thought when you asked that question. Ooh, is one of them living out of the other one's heart? Is it just like someone's heart and then it's their face? No, in
0: uh, in The Waking World, they're one and in ter- uh, Teleron Rialt, they're the other. Hmm. Mm. 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 Anyway, everyone likes Lord Luke. He's a great guy. Uh, But he does all that he can to undermine Perrin in front of the villagers, which means that he's not a great guy.
2: Um, How dare he insult our
0: protagonist. Yeah, so Perrin implies that Luke is using the situation to his advantage and pops off at the collected people about how hoping that the White Cloaks are going to protect them from the Trollocs isn't going to work out long term.
1: He pulls some Tavaran stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he says that the that they're prideful and foolish, and that they need to stick together as a village rather than scattering around the farms and families.
1: Politics. And, yeah. Well he's And then and then everyone listens to him.
0: Yeah, very quickly, and despite clearly not wanting to, but until he pulls some magic on them.
1: And Varen scratches her chin and says, fascinating.
0: Fascinating.
1: You'll love to see it, folks.
0: <laughs> uh, so after the people are convinced by Perrin, they start to head to Imon's field uh, with four of the young men joining Perrin's group on their way to the White Cloaks. I don't know who any of them are except Will Alcine because, God, we just can't stop talking about how boyishly <laughs> handsome he is. Because fail smiled at him. Yeah, Fa'iel is smiling at him. She's smiling at Lord Luke, too. And then they have this little
1: moment where she's like... Yeah, she's like, I did it just to make you mad. I'm sorry.
0: And Perrin's like, it d- didn't work. Ha <laughs> And Fa'iel's like, it worked. Yeah, so along the way, they stop at more houses, and Perrin gives the same speech. Uh, and his little group swells to, like, 20 people this whole time. Perrin Varen
1: is a- scratching her chin and saying fascinating. She's
0: saying fascinating. Parents like, I don't even know what the word Tavarin means <laughs> as he's like actively Tavarin. It's great. He's so dumb. Salt of the earth. Yeah. Uh, so when they arrive at the White Cloak camp, they're like kind of hidden on a ridge, I think. Um, he leaves
1: uh, all of the boys and then has. Perrin realizes that he's begun giving orders. Yeah.
0: He accidentally is giving orders to people. But
1: um, then
2: Tam and Abel are like, it's fine, man. Yeah, they're like, you're doing good. Tam would know. He was in the
0: Ilyan army. Um, so Perrin leaves the boys and has Fail, Bane, Chiad, and Gaul all go with him into the White Cloak camp to get the Cothans and Luans out. Uh, they sneak in, they get the hostages, and they make it most of the way out. Uh, but they raise the alarm at the last second. Uh, so when they get back to the group, the hostages, Tam, Abel, Fael, Bane, Chiad, and Gol, uh all go one way. And then Perrin with the group of boys, Varen, and what's his name, uh, Thomas, all go another. And, and Perrin's like, are you going to help? And Varen's like, nah. Perrin's like, oh, I'd love to, but no. I'm a researcher. Yeah. Do that thing again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they are drawing the white cloaks away uh, and they're making a distraction, which I like. I like the sort of arc across these last um, chap, uh, couple chapters where Perrin is thinking about how this like isn't a game. And he's trying to instill it into these boys that, like, listen, you could die. This is not for funsies. If you want to go, then go. And then at the end, they have this, maybe it's just knowing what will be happening in the coming chapters, but there's like this one little moment of Perrin is riding ahead, yelling, and then they all start following yelling, and it eventually stops being like a, hey, come look at us, and just like a, oh man, this is sick. So yeah, they make this distraction, and then Perrin uh, finishes out the chapter by announcing that their next mission is they're going to go hunt some Trollocs.
2: It is interesting that we continue to call them boys when a parent remarks that they're all older than him. So it's weird for him to take charge before the whole thing takes place. Mm-hmm. Which is yeah, like—I mean—a lot has
1: happened. Congratulations, you're Tavarin. I literally clipped this. Perplexed, Perrin scratched his beard. He had taken charge. Now that he thought about it, neither Tam nor Abel had really made a decision since leaving the Alcine farm. Only offered suggestions and left it to it and left it to him. Neither had called them lads since then either. Interesting, Varen said. Hmm.
2: Interesting. <laughs> Interesting.
1: I love Varen. I don't know if you've noticed. Yeah. But I stand a Varen. She is good. Uh so chapter 34.
0: He who comes with the Dawn. I wonder who it is. <laughs> you don't. We've known since like literally the first time anyone uttered that phrase, you were like, it's Rand. Yeah. I'm shocked. Speaking of, we're back to Rand.
1: Wait, you mean it's not (laughs) Cooladin? No. I thought it was Cooladin's
0: brother Muridin went in. It's clearly him. He's going to be a major character. Uh, So, Rand and Matt are almost back from Roideon. And I didn't miss typing out the word Roideon at all. Uh, Rand has a thought. Uh, Wow. Sorry. No, I, I. I have no idea what I was typing. These notes were made at like... The next couple chapters of notes were made at like 1am, so you'll have to forgive me. Uh, so during this time back to the camp at um, Chandar? Chandar? Whatever it is. Uh, Rand is thinking about the reason that he has come to the Waste to do this is because he needs this army of Iel that are bound to him by ideology and not by fear. When they arrive at the camp... Uh, Kool-Aidin leads a dozen of his warriors to attack Rand. With like, mul- like you definitely killed my brother. Yeah, like multiple rounds of spears being thrown at him before, uh, Bear steps in to stop the whole thing and reveals the marks on both of Rand's arms, declaring him the Karakarn. And Matt's like, that means chief of chiefs. Yeah. Rand's <laughs> like, I know the old tongue. Uh, so Rand finds out that Moraine and Avienda both went into Roideon And it's been a week since the four of them entered. Uh, He and Matt are led to a tent to have their wounds tended to. And we get confirmation that the memories you see in the glass columns is hereditary.
1: Yeah, I noted that. (laughs) You were correct.
0: Um, Well, I was just guessing. I wasn't trying to be like, oh, I don't, I maybe, like, I, I legit didn't remember. There is this great moment in here between Rand and Egwene that is this last, because there's a point in here Where, in this section, where Moraine talks to Egwene about like, hey, could you be the spy? Uh, Or maybe, it's the wise ones asking Egwene, could you be the spy on Rand for us? And she's like, no, I don't think Rand trusts me anymore. But then they have this moment. I mean to change what is permitted and what isn't, Rand told them levelly. Become used to it. He caught Egwene muttering about him needing his ears boxed and grinned at her. Egwene can stay, too, since she asked so nicely. She stuck her tongue out at him, then blushed when she realized what she had done. It's this little, like... Aw, they're friends! They just... have... You're my best friend, Batista. Yeah. Peace, dude, this is weird. (laughs) Uh, So, here we get the story about Rand's parentage. His mother was a wetlander noblewoman who abandoned a son back home after a foretelling that said that she must. She had to become a maiden, which she did, and then married the chief of her clan. Despite the rule that when you become pregnant, you need to stop being a uh, maiden of the spear, he allowed her to continue fighting during the Aiel War, and she died giving birth to Rand on Dragonmount. Rand's father... Uh, feeling guilt, then went north to fight Trollocs
1: in the Blight until he died, and he was- cu- fight, Fighting a man who looked a lot like his wife.
0: Yeah, uh, Rand's mother. So... Yeah.
1: Hey, Bion, Yeah? Uh, do, do you think you know who Rand's half-brother is? We've met him. Yeah, because they talk about Rand must have a half-brother.
2: Is that Luke, then? No. Whoa. No. Okay. Luke is the weird uncle that's not- Luke yeah, is only Luke,
1: related because he. Yeah. Because he ate. L- Luke is the lord in the wastes that killed Rand's father, who looked a lot like Rand's mother. Yeah. Because he was Rand's mother's brother. Yeah. Uh, so Luke is Rand's uh, uncle. Yeah.
0: Rand's half brother is. I'm just going to say it. Is Galad. Oh, okay. So, so Rand's mother was married to this guy. They had Gallad, and then the mother ran away. The father went on to marry Morgay's and have Elaine and Gawain. Ooh. So, um, like those two and Rand are like cousins once removed. Uh huh. Um, but they're not like blood related, so it's fine that Rand and Elaine are together. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. It's only they, they would be they would be like step siblings. Yes. Yeah, so. Like at most. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then Rand's mother had a brother, who was Lord Luke. His mother went and had all her situation. Lord Luke fused with a Borderlander noble. land's cousin, by the way. Lan's... Uh, I thought it was land's Yeah, it was land's cousin. Because they talk about... So land's father had a brother, and the brother was the reason that the whole... That Malkyr...
1: This family tree is so fucked.
0: Yeah, that Malkyr fell... But they had a son, and the problem was that the son wasn't ever going to be anything. There was jealousy there. So Lan's cousin fused with Lord Luke and is now the Slayer. So that Borderlander is the Slayer. Lord and
1: killed Rand's bloodfather. Yeah,
0: who killed Ran's bloodfather. So the Slayer is the Borderlander side, and Lord Luke is the uh, kyrenan and Noble side.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Same
1: being, yeah. So, like, this is all stuff you could technically have figured out at this point. You would just have to be, like, really obsessive. Yeah, it also doesn't
2: necessarily matter. I was just yeah. trying to think of, like, generic male who who could be related to Rand. But then At I this f- point, anyone could be related to Rand. <laughs> anyone could be related to Rand. When you start having, like, these
0: people confuse into one physical being and then both of their genealogies still exist, then, like, anyone could be related to anyone. Yeah. I'm related to Rand.
1: Is this a Jojo thing? Oh, no. (laughs) Are you at once Joseph, Joestar's son, and Dio's son? Oh, no. So what you're saying... Is that Rand is Giorno Giovanna?
0: Is this a Jojo reference? (laughs) Points at the entire series. Oh no! I think it is. I hate this. I mean, because the soul
2: will be reborn, right?
0: Well, it's now like sort of two souls inhabiting one body. Except you it's have two not wolves the same. Inside you. Yeah,
2: you have two wolves inside
0: you. One of them is Rand's uncle. The other one is Lan's cousin. This is a JoJo reference.
1: Like, anyways. <laughs> yeah.
0: I think we got off on a tangent.
1: We really did.
0: Yeah, it's... I feel like I had something to actually say. <laughs> uh, similar to how Paddenfane and Mordith have fused into, like, one being, which is mm-hmm. Uh Luke and Lan's cousin have fused into one being, which is the Slayer. Okay. So, back to the plot... Uh, Rand's plan is to take as many Aiel as fast as he can to a place called Alkerdal, Dal, where he will announce to the assembled clans that he is the Karakarn.
1: Uh, this it's is like weeks. Yeah, weeks,
2: multiple. I no, we don't have time for that. And they're like, silence, young one. Why did Avienda have to get naked to go into the magical pillars, whereas Rand and Matt didn't have to get naked? Uh, Because it's a women thing. Different ritual. Different ritual for the women. Same place, but different ritual to enter the place.
0: Well, the women have a different situation because they're able to go twice.
1: Mm. And so... They they do one thing about the past, which is what Rand does, and they do another thing that's sort of regarding their own future. Yeah. Um, So... You might notice that after this, Moraine... Treats things a little differently. She's a little tense. She, yeah. She might have seen some stuff about her future. Yeah. Uh,
0: them leaving soon is helped by Avienda and Moraine, both returning on the same day, which is yeah that first day. Um, Rand is happy he can get the plan rolling. So this whole scene is really serious. Um, or like this whole chapter is really serious, except for that little bit with Egwene. Um, and at the end, uh, Rand and Matt are just, because there's a whole thing with like, rand grieving for these parents that he never knew but it's not a grief like perrin had where it's like crying he's just like oh i wish i'd gotten to know them and it's also not a
2: grief that the the rest of the women expect him to feel yeah
0: they're all like oh you lost your family how sad and rand's like no i just kind of want to be alone and have it be quiet um and so matt goes and just sits next to him for a while and then what are you going to do now matt asked Something you should like. I'm going to break the rules. I meant, are you going to get something to eat? <laughs> Me? I'm hungry.
1: Like. That's good.
0: Oh, Matt. Hey, They're friends. He's a hungry boy. Matt's a hungry boy, and. I, uh, these two. Reminder that, like, Rand is, was friends with all of these people. It's really good. Uh, so chapter 35, Sharp Lessons. Egwene is in the Heart of the Stone in Teleron Riyadh, uh, there to meet Elaine, who is dressed like a seafolk sailor, which is to say, she's topless. Hooray! <laughs> we get to hear a lot about how topless Elaine is in these next <laughs> two chapters. She is very cold. She's very cold, and the swell of her breasts in the bath, let me describe them. That part's funny, though, because Avienda's. because like... Avienda's like... just furious. You
1: you haven't seen Elaine naked. Let me describe her to convince you that you should stick with her. Yeah, but it's
0: not even. Yeah, it's not even like, let me tell you how hot she is. It's like, you dummy. I'm going to tell you how hot your girlfriend is, and then you're never going to want anybody else. Um, I just love how upset she is. Uh, So they discuss how Elaine and the knave are almost at Tanchico already. Um, They expect that once they get there, it'll take them a while to make any progress. Before Egwene can give her update, Amis pulls her out of the oh, dream.
1: One thing. Yeah. Uh, Elaine spills the beans on the Windfinders being channelers.
0: Oh, yeah, like immediately.
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: And, and Egwene's really interested. Yeah, because uh,
2: it's the the fact that there's the Wise Women and the Windfinders, and those are two people who are not bound like the Aeol are. And Isidai. Nice uh, yeah, corpse shit.
1: The other A-names.
2: <laughs> Too yeah. many names.
1: Wise Ones and Windfinders, women able to channel among both, and none who had taken the three oaths, bound by the oath rod. The oaths were supposed to make people trust Isidai, or at least not fear their power, but Isidai still had to move in secret as often as not. Wise Ones and Windfinders, she was willing to wager, had honored places in their societies, without being bound to supposedly make them safe. It was something to think on. Think, 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 Egwene. (laughs) Big thinking emoji. Remember that Egwene had a vision of herself being Amaralyn's seat without having done the oaths. (laughs) Mm. Yeah,
0: we'll figure that out. Um, So before Egwene can give her update, uh, Amis pulls her out of the dream and scolds her for being
2: like a child. Like, not just scolds, though. Like, shames... Like, punishes. And and does, like,
1: a dream prank.
2: Yeah. (laughs) 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 Haha, I pranked you.
0: Yeah, except it's terrifying. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, in the sweat tent, which, by the way, everybody's naked, uh, the Wise Ones plot to guide Rand into doing what they think is best, and weirdly enough, Moraine stands up for letting him do his own thing. Um, I think she's... Because previously she was very like, no, you're dumb. This is the correct way to do it all. Um, I think she's had a change of heart based on the the swerve of like, no, we're going to teleport to the Aiela Waste and I'm going to recruit all of them into my army instantly. She's like, oh, well, maybe we should just kind of let him be. Yeah. Also, so- whatever vision she had. Yeah, also whatever vision she had. Um, Avienda... Uh, is eventually convinced to stay close to Rand in order to be their
2: mole, despite her protests by really the bullying hard. of the wise ones. Yeah, she's very pouty, and yes, the wise ones are big bullies. The wise ones make me so uncomfortable. Well, they don't seem very wise; they just seem mean. They are ones, so
0: yeah, they're halfway there. Uh, chapter thirty-six: Misdirections.
1: I only have one note for this chapter, and it's about a hat.
0: Ah. Uh, well, I only have two notes, and one of them's about a hat. Uh, so the next morning, Rand and the Aiel are on the road away from Rodion. Uh Avienda's near him
1: at all times. Uh, Just like doing a verbal sext about Elaine the entire time. Yeah, she's a pretty great wingwoman. Uh,
0: so at this point, um, the Dark One has kind of been dealt with as much as he's going to for the rest of the plot. Um, The Forsaken, are they'll pop up, but um, we don't really need to worry about them. At this point, pretty much the only thing that matters is Rand figuring out what these two letters mean. (laughs) And having people continually tell him to just read the letters, it's so obvious. And Rand just, like, fetal position screaming. It's so bad. But I love it. I love that, like, over and over again, we hit this moment of people being like, Just read the letters. Rand's like...
1: I don't want to read them again, please. <laughs> but she meant every word.
2: Honey, it's 4pm. Time for your letter reading. Okay. It's just the same thing with, um... Fa'il and Perrin, where it's like... You have these assumptions about how things are... And you're assuming that the other one knows what they are. So you're just failing when really the... I'm, from what I'm guessing the letters are, the first letter is her being like, hey, you're hot. Let's do things. And then her second letter is like, actually, I am the daughter heir. And I'm not normally like that. I'm not a loose woman. I'm not normally like that. So just like, you got to respect me and my role as this noble lady.
1: It's, it's more like you're an absolute goddamn woolhead. Uh, why did you not try and stop me from going? Okay. But yeah, it's like,
2: because this is such a binary society, and there's so many rules about how to act, like, there's these assumptions about how the significant other works and how you need to manipulate them into doing what's best for them. And it's like all these silly manipulations and nonsense when it doesn't have to be, but the tension exists because of simply how their society is constructed.
1: Anyways, the rest of this chapter is regarding a hat
2: Yeah
0: Yeah. Um, So later that day, a train of peddler wagons arrive And Rand and some Aiel go to meet them Uh, Matt buys a hat from the leader, Kadir And Rand has some cryptic words about Kadir's eyes and him being evil But mostly the hat
1: (laughs) He now has a big, wide-brown hat
0: Yeah Which he will have for the rest of the series
2: People love his hat.
0: Images. Look at this hat. Beyonds looking at the hat.
2: He looks like that guy in Moomin. Anyway. Oh, its name is Snufkin. That's what that dude's name is.
0: Anyway.
2: Matt with the hat looks like Snufkin.
0: Anyway. Matt has this hat now. He is almost done with his... He is a total lad. Yeah. He's almost finished acquiring all of his accessories. He's only missing two of them. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, That's the end of this section.
1: There's some fun stuff in here.
0: Yeah, there's some fun stuff. There's some less fun stuff. But, you know, (laughs) you take the bad with the slightly less bad.
1: I thought we were going to... I thought we were about to do some facts of life. No.
0: (laughs) Uh, So... Next week, we are going to read chapters 37 through 45. I don't remember why I picked those, but I will trust Past Me to have done a good job. Um,
1: I mean, this ending point was a bit of a non-sequitur.
0: Yeah, I mean, there wasn't really a good place to end it.
1: Uh, Jesse, where can people find us? People can find us on our Twitter, at Wheel Reading. I'll have the link in the description. And if you leave a review on that itunes or your podcast services it makes it a lot easier for people to find us and we love hearing from people who listen to the podcast
2: yeah
0: um well cool this has been the third wheel i'm tyler i'm bion and i'm jossie and we'll see you next time
1: goodbye